2: My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hi everyone, so I hope you're all doing great. Our move is coming up in less than three weeks and I'm getting pretty stressed out about it, but I'm also um, feeling excited. So a super quick announcement, and that is that my web developer made a change to our website, and in doing so, he didn't fully test it, so our sign-up page wasn't working on Tuesday for the day. So I profusely apologize, thank goodness, to a couple of people who contacted me right away, letting me know that they couldn't get signed up. But if you happen to be trying to sign up on Tuesday and you couldn't get in Tuesday the 2nd, just this past week, a few days ago, Well, as of this podcast going out, you could be listening to this any other time, but anyway, um, and it didn't work for you. Just know that it is fixed now, and we hope that you will come back and try again. Um, We've never had this before. Um, He's actually very diligent, um, so I don't know what happened. I was not happy with him that day. I was pretty stressed out, but these things do happen, and it's all good now. So I have a couple of great questions today. The first is about body autonomy and teaching teaching to little ones when they are growing older about our body autonomy. Also, we could talk about theirs as well. But they need to learn about crossing the boundaries with adults, Not meaning not crossing our boundaries. But you know, when they were younger, they could do some of these things. It was perfectly acceptable, but as they're getting weaned from breastfeeding and other types of things, um, it's no longer appropriate. So how do we handle that? Second question, is around our parenting values and how others, such as preschool, daycare, or other family members, such as grandparents, may sometimes do things differently than we would. To what degree should we be concerned about this, step in, and make changes? How much influence does this have on our children? When should we be concerned about that? So the first question is from Lisa. And she said, hello, I have a question for your podcast. I'm not sure how you select them or if you have to be a member to get a question answered. I did subscribe to your classes a couple of years ago. I found them very informative and I was so excited to have found them that I told my friends about it. So for anyone wondering, obviously, I do take non-member questions on the podcast. Almost all of them are non-member questions, actually, because members get their questions answered through the chat sessions, the video sessions that I do, every couple weeks to a month, depending on how many questions we get in. I do those with members directly. Um, Although when we get a really good question that I haven't seen come up on the podcast, I will use a member question on occasion Um, For parents who I think it's just a really good question, and may be helpful. So Lisa wrote in, uh, continuing, my son is already six years old now and I'm facing a new problem that I hope you can have some answers for. My son was exclusively breastfed in the first six months and also a bit longer as some extra until he was about two years old. He never took either the pacifiers or bottles, so clearly he was really attached to me. Up until a few months ago, he wanted to put his hand inside my shirt to feel my skin and breasts. But I was telling him that he's getting too old for that. And mommy is always here for you. But I tried to explain that I don't feel comfortable when he keeps on touching me because it's my body and he should respect that. So for a little while, he seemed to have calmed down. But as I'm now pregnant again and he knows it, he seems to ask continuously to touch me. And at times when he attempts, I can get very frustrated. What's behind this behavior, and how can I help? His baby sister is coming at the end of February, and he doesn't seem to want to stop. I feel bad rejecting his touch, but it also feels wrong since he is growing and not a toddler anymore. Any insights on how to help navigate this situation will be much appreciated, as I'm getting anxious that with the arrival of the baby sister, this could get worse. Thank you in advance. Lisa from Toronto. Okay, so this is a new one we haven't talked about before, so it's a great subject, and it's an interesting transition for us as parents, well, moms particularly, right, from sharing our bodies very intimately with our children, I mean, first they're inside of us, growing inside of us, it doesn't get more intimate than that, sharing our body with them, to then that of all the way to being, you know, a respectful but close family member, and what does that look like in the early childhood years? Now, of course, boundaries are different between close, immediate family members and friends, and then of course those of strangers. So there are things kids tend to pick up on over time through social cues, but sometimes they need some help in understanding this. So my guess, Lisa, that behind the behavior is, of course, the sibling on the way, This is an attachment thing, this is looking for some attention, looking for some reassurance that he's still important, that he's still gonna be able to be close to you. Also, I'm guessing he's also just a highly touchy, affectionate, loving person by nature, which are all great traits. But with that, people with these traits have to know how to manage that, like wanting to always touch and hug and be close to people because other people aren't necessarily going to want that all the time. So first I'm gonna talk about the social skills that go along with learning about different personal space, how to talk to kids about it and teach that. So during the ages of two and a half or three to four and a half, you can expect kids to begin to understand personal space with peers and how it's different from personal space with family. For talking to kids about personal space with friends, you can describe personal space as a minimum of distance between when the elbows are on the stomach to the hands outstretched out in front of you. Then you can teach them that there is a personal bubble that they expect to have unless they invite someone into that space. That is their personal space. No one gets to come in unless they get invited in then each person has that amount of personal space. So it's then doubled between people. So I have my personal space from my elbows to my fingertips. You have your personal space from your elbows to your fingertips. So between the two of us, obviously that distance is doubled. You can also make a ball out in front of you with your arms Now, this is talking about friends. This isn't about family. I'm just giving everyone just a a background about talking to kids about personal space in general, and this is for friendships. This gives kids a really good visual representation when you put your arms out in front of you like a ball in the shape of a ball. If kids don't get this concept by four years old, most of their peers don't care, and they will give them a pass about it because a lot of younger kids are in each other's space quite a bit. But they will start to work with each other, kind of start to back away. They'll start to pick up these social cues. By the ages of six to seven, if they don't get it, if they're touching too much, if they're talking too close in each other's face or in their friends' faces, they're leaning on their friends too much, or constantly hugging on them, it can annoy them and impact how the other kids might see them socially. So as you can imagine, other kids may start to avoid them, um, to back away, avoid their personal space, feeling infringed upon. So now again, all, this is all with other kids. With family, it's different, but we still have personal boundaries, especially starting around these same ages. Around two to three, we can start setting some boundaries around which body parts are not okay to touch or that are not okay to touch without asking. You know, it comes to diaper changes or helping your kids wipe. Um, you know, you can talk about that, how nobody touches their private parts, but you know, you need to help them wipe. Is it okay if I help you wipe? Or obviously if there's if they're not clean, you're going to help them wipe, or they're still in a diaper, you know, you're wiping them off. Um, but then how you're going to start to ask at a certain point if this is okay or let them know before you do so. Now, some moms are just don't like their bellies being touched or rubbed. makes them really uncomfortable. Um, if you have a two-and-a-half-year-old not fully weaned and they're used to patting your breasts to ask for milk, it's good to start having them use their words to ask you. May I have some milk right now? Or may I feed right now? Now, those are a lot of words for a two-year-old, but they may ask in feeding, please. Um, assuming they're verbal enough to do so, most kids will be at that point, but if they're lagging a bit verbally, you can teach them a sign to ask so that they're not just coming up and pulling your shirt down. You're starting to teach them some boundaries. Even though they're still breastfeeding, you're asking them to use um, some respectful ways of asking for it rather than just assuming that they can come up and feed anytime they want. Okay. Now you can let this go until about the age of three if you're still breastfeeding, if you're still comfortable with it and they, they do just come up and start breastfeeding and you're, you're comfortable with it, totally fine too. Okay. Starting around two and a half, if children are touching in a way that makes you uncomfortable, you can start working on having them ask, teaching them which body parts are not okay to touch without asking. It's also okay for them to do the same, even with parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles. So if you wanna hug them and they aren't in the mood, it's okay for them to say, no, I don't feel like it right now and for parents to have to respect that. Now, rarely is a child not in the mood to hug a parent, but it can happen. I actually remember my daughter, around age two, not wanting me to put my hand on her leg. For whatever reason, she went through this little stage where she just didn't want me putting my hand on her leg. I think it was just her setting her own boundaries and body autonomy, showing me and proving to herself that she could do that. I was kinda sad about it, I remember that, but, I was good with it, I knew it was important. And I told her about it uh, not too long ago, I think last month, I mentioned it. She kinda laughed, she was very surprised because she is a super affectionate girl now. She loves hugs, she loves to snuggle, she is always one of the first people to say, I love you. But she needed that at that time and I think it lasted maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month at most. For parents, I do think it's important for us to be available for physical affection, like hugs and snuggling, as much as we possibly can, barring anything like an illness that makes it very uncomfortable, you know, such as chemotherapy, something we're going through that's extremely uncomfortable, some type of rash. Um, Obviously, you know, if you've got poison oak, you're not going to do that. There's some, you know, there are some times when that isn't going to be a possibility or when we absolutely need to get things done or are setting some type of boundaries and we know they're just trying to push it, we're making dinner, okay, I'll give you one hug, then I need to make dinner, I need to finish up dinner. It's okay to set that boundary, and get our stuff done. Also getting ready for school or going to bed, or other times they might try to push that, get to stop from having to get ready for bed or get ready for school. So say for bedtime, we gave hugs before bedtime and they're asking for more. Of course it's good to set the boundary there. We just spent 15 minutes snuggling and reading books and we gave lots of hugs goodnight. There will be more hugging tomorrow, but right now it's time for bed. When it comes to teaching body autonomy, it's important to not just teach them that they can't go up and touch people whenever they want, including parent's breast, buttocks, et cetera, but also it helps them understand that they can say no to others touching them in ways that make them feel uncomfortable as well. So for Lisa, It's okay to feel annoyed and even show some annoyance in your voice when he's still trying to touch when you have explained it, and especially now that he's six. Now, the other thing is you can offer a hug. I'd love to give you a hug, but these are mommy's breasts and these are not for you to touch anymore younger than that, they're still working on it, but by six it's okay to get a little more stern with it and show that you're annoyed. I do like that he was asking beforehand at least, that was really sweet, it shows that he is starting to learn But when he does it without asking, or even if he is asking, showing some annoyance is perfectly appropriate now that he's six years old. So don't feel bad about feeling annoyed and even showing some of it, showing what we call the negative emotions. Um, They all have their place. Our negative emotions have their place. The anger, the frustration, the annoyance, those all have their place. We have those for a reason. And it's okay to show them when we keep them within moderate limits. Lastly, reading some books about body autonomy. Now, these books are about empowering kids to say no, but the lessons can also be about other people setting boundaries around their bodies too. So you can just have the discussion on both sides about your body and his body while you're reading the book. If it comes up particularly in a certain passage, something strikes you that you wanna talk about it right then and there and it works in that section or after finishing reading the book, just sit down and have a discussion about that. So here's a couple of books I can recommend for some different age ranges. My Body Belongs to Me, From My Head to My Toes. These are for ages three to six. Consent for Kids, Boundaries, Respect, and Being in Charge of You. This is for a little older kids, ages six to 10, great book. For kids a little bit older, No Means No, Teaching Children about Personal Boundaries, Respect and Consent, Empowering Kids by Respecting Their Choices and Their Right to Say No. So they're ages two to nine. Again, you can make it uh, not just about the kids, but about other people's bodies as well, and them respecting other people's bodies also. Reading books is a great way to introduce concepts and have open dialogue about a lot of these specific issues we find ourselves having to talk about with our kids. Okay, so I'm going to get to the next question for today about outside adult influences, such as family, preschool, daycare, even elementary schools. That they have on our kids particularly when they do things differently than we might do at home might be different than our own family values or the things that i talk about a lot in these podcasts and in my classes right after a word from our sponsors this episode is sponsored by by heart by heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world using the latest in breast milk science Parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back after the break, it's time for Heather's question. And she wrote, I'm working really hard at avoiding praise and any rewards. How much influence though will schools and daycares have on them? More influence than I do? Should I be concerned? Will it undermine my efforts? They spend so much time there and no knowing the harm these tools, methods cause. I am feeling concerned, but it seems so hardwired. But is it so harmful that I should look for a different daycare option, for example? So I've talked a lot about praise and rewards with kids, the issues that there are with building internal versus external motivation for the long run when it comes to using praise and rewards. So understandably, parents who are really committed to this process, to raising children who are self-directed, responsible, this can be a concern. Now, in general, kids under 11 are much more strongly influenced by family, where it then shifts in the teenage years to peers having more influence. And pardon me while I go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but this is why these early years are so important, because with a strong influence at home during these years, for the most part, kids will choose friendships whose values coincide with those from home when the home is a place of firmness but kindness, loving support with solid boundaries. Now you see the rebellion in kids who don't get those needs met at home, but even so, in the best homes, some kids will push some boundaries and test some limits to some degree during their adolescence at one point in time or another. Okay, so back to this topic specifically, especially with younger kids. With all this said, preschool and daycare is a lot of waking hours away from family, depending how much time they're spending there. If it's two mornings a week and they use a reward chart, probably won't have that much influence. Four to five full days will probably have a decent influence. Now the younger the kids are, the more the influence. So for instance, I didn't have this issue until my kids hit elementary school. Um, also with this being said, the child's personality also will have a bearing on how much of an influence this will have. So for instance, um, you know, because of the preschools that I chose, we really didn't have this issue at preschool with them using any kind of rewards or punishments for behavior. Um, but once they got to elementary school, absolutely Heather, it was really hardwired, I noticed. Um, They use charts every day. It sets at the front of the classroom. There's green for, you know, you're on green, you're on yellow, you're on red. I think some classes had like five different colors. Um, Those are the three ones I remember for sure in every class. But it would sit at the front of the room, and at the end of the day, my kids would constantly tell me who got put on yellow, who got put on orange, who got put on red. Um, And every kid starts the beginning of the day on green. And I guess they thought that this was positive because everybody starts the day in a positive place and then they get moved down. But I remember telling my kids, you know what, honey, that's really none of my business, and actually, it's none of yours either. And I had a real issue with this. They were, you know, pretty young. I really don't like that this is so common in schools these days. Um, And I also don't like that the kids know about the other kids' behavior. Um, I know there's a saying about um, compliment in public and, you know, give criticism in private. Really feel like that's the way it should be. If 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 they need to be reprimanding kids or helping them fix their behavior, I don't like the word reprimand. It shouldn't really be happening either. But if they need to help a child make better choices, they really should be talking to them a little more privately. It really shouldn't be on display for the entire class to see, and that does really bother me. But... With that being said, you know, my kids were in elementary school and we would just talk about it at home. I would talk about how it's, you know, it's really not our business. I don't need to know who got put on red that day. Um, you know, it's, just, it's kind of gossip. It's not cool. Um, that kind of thing. I also would talk about, you know, when my kids would get moved down. And I think it was really only my one son who ever really had that happen. The one who turns out had has ADD, um, would, you know, end up getting moved down quite frequently. Um, you know, when we talk about that, I would, you know, undo that at home and talk about how that isn't about who he is. It's has nothing to do with him being, um, not being a good person. We would talk about all the positive qualities that he has, that that wasn't a reflection of him as a person, just that he needed to work on making some better choices. And that was all Uh, I do remember one day in particular. Um, he was in TK. Actually, he wasn't even in kindergarten yet. It was near the end of the school year, so he had turned five at that point, point. Um, and he got put on red that day. What he had done is he had left the classroom and gone to the bathroom. Now, when he was in preschool, it, the teacher just always said, just tell me you're going to the bathroom and go, because obviously wanted, she wanted, to working on potty training. She wanted them to get to the bathroom, so as long as they just said, I'm going to the bathroom, and they'd run and go, she was fine with it, Um but she just needed to know where they were so she didn't look around and freak out because she was missing a kid in her classroom. That was all fine. It just, for whatever reason, that clicked with him. He said, I have to go to the bathroom and went to the bathroom, but he didn't actually check in with the teacher. Now, the bathroom isn't in the classroom. He had to go across the yard, not far, just across a small piece of blacktop to get into the main building to go use the bathroom, but she was so freaked out that he was missing that she, that was her reaction. She just understandably, she was extremely worried about him. And so out of her um, worry, and then which turned to anger because he was totally fine and had left the room without asking, she moved him right down to red, no warning, and he was in trouble for that. I did sit down, spoke with her about it, spoke with him about it, explained he needs to tell her when he's leaving the classroom, that he can't just run away even if he is gonna go use the bathroom. But it wasn't anything on his part that he was misbehaving. He was just like, I gotta go. And he told his friends, told his peers and ran out the door to go use the restroom and came back. And she understandably felt very concerned and worried because she was in charge of him and he went missing and freaked her out when she couldn't find him in the classroom. Um, But if these are happening at younger ages, in the preschools, lots of rewards for good behavior, um, any kind of, you know, these color charts for poor behavior or demerits or taking things away for poor behavior, um, I would suggest potentially looking for another preschool, um, depending, and I'm going to go into some detail about that. So for those who have not yet chosen a daycare or a preschool, um, I highly recommend looking closely at the school or the daycare if this is a concern for you. So programs that include teaching philosophies like Reggio, Waldorf, Montessori, some type of mix of these. There's also some others that have some great things in them like Highscope. Not all schools will tell you their philosophy, especially if they're a mix. So they may not say we're a Reggio school or we're a Montessori school. They may use some of those in their classroom, pull that into the learning. They may be a very developmentally based preschool. That's what you wanna look for, developmentally based. So observe, ask questions, you'll get a really good feel. See the class, um, choosing a preschool for more on these philosophies, what they each are about, and what and how they teach and structure the learning process to see what resonates for you. There may be one that really resonates for you strongly and you're like, I wanna try to find a Montessori school or I wanna try to find a Waldorf school. Now, if you're already in a program and you are concerned about too many rewards and too much praise going on, or too many demerits or punishments, this dangling the carrot to get the good behavior, depending on the circumstances, um, you may wanna consider looking for another program. So you might want to think about things like how long are they going to be left there? How old are they right now? Are they about to start kindergarten in another five months? Or do they still have two to three years left? Or do you have another sibling coming up behind them that you want them both in the same preschool and they're going to have their entire, um, you know, preschool career at this place? Kids are resilient and they're just learning to connect socially with peers around the age of three. So moving schools is not going to affect them in this way very much at all. Now if you have a super slow to warm child and it's taken you months, they're finally going to school without a complete meltdown and clinging to your leg when you leave, It's another thing to consider, of course. But even so, they will adapt. In most cases, children will adapt very quickly to a new school environment and to their new peers. They don't get really super connected to friends until way later on. So if this is something you think might be in your child's best interest, check out some other schools you wanna visit, you wanna take tours, and if they'll let you, and most schools should let you, observe, go and sit and observe the classroom for an hour or two. Talk to the other families who are going there, and this will give you a really good idea about how they do handle misbehaviors and how they redirect the children, how they help the children make better choices, what types of things they use, and of course, there's questions that you can ask. Now, again, the class choosing a preschool, I talk about what to look for, the questions to ask. There's a printout for questions to ask a preschool. And then some red flags that it might not be the most enriching environment or the most positive or the most developmentally appropriate environment for your child. And that is in the class, choosing a preschool on the website at yourvillageonline.com. What about family? Now this wasn't part of the question, but it does fall right in line here. And I have gotten asked about this before, and this can be tricky. If it's a grandparent or grandparents who see your child a few hours a week and they spoil them, that's what grandparents are for. And the influence of having that in their lives is so positive that it outweighs. And I think for the most part, the small negative, if you want to call it that, of them getting a little spoiled with grandma and grandpa is just completely out the window by having that loving influence on them. They get 99%, 98%, 95% rules, boundaries, lessons, expectations from us at home. A little bit of that over the top ice cream sundae or expensive dress on a shopping trip with the grandparents is awesome. If grandparents are your daycare five days a week and your child can do no wrong and isn't napping and they're cranky and they're getting a lot of rewards all day long, lots of sugar, then that may need some rebalancing. But when it's free childcare, it may be a bit tough to have too many expectations or an uncomfortable situation to ask for them to change unless you feel like you have a relationship that's good enough that you can talk about that. Obviously, it's great if you can. Not a lot of people have that kind of relationship with their parents to be able to do that. But if that's the case and you don't feel comfortable talking about it, it could be time to look into some preschool or daycare for some or a lot of that time that they're normally with their grandparents for that social aspect, as well as the cognitive developmental aspect, you know, and especially as we start moving out of the pandemic and things are much safer to do. So it's also another great reason they're getting older. They haven't been around friends. It's a conversation that'll be a lot easier to have. And you could say something like now that Lydia is going to be turning three, She can be around her peers some more. Um, It really might be time for her to develop some friendships and practice her social skills as well as begin playing and learning alongside other children her age. Now, maybe the grandparents will just keep the kids one day a week to vastly minimize over-influencing with too much indulgence. If that's what's happening with your situation, grandparents doing lots of indulging and a lot of time with the kids. If you're interested in learning more about development, how to support it, including choosing a preschool, other areas of education, positive discipline, or any of the 60 parenting classes, visit the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.